Shalom to Christians and friends, all next gen in this service and those who are following us online. Now, tomorrow is a very special Sunday in our Christian tradition where we celebrate our Lord Jesus' resurrection from the dead. On Good Friday, we remember the Lord's crucifixion, our Lord Jesus' crucifixion and death. Now, some of you were here on our Good Friday presentation and you have seen the enactment of the crucifixion scene. You see, Good Friday was the darkest moment in Christian history because of how Jesus Christ was brutally tortured and eventually died a horrible death on the cross. The Jewish religious authorities who crucified Jesus Christ, they thought that they had silenced Him forever to His death. But they later discovered that Jesus' death and resurrection created a greater mess for them thereafter. And the story of Jesus did not end on Good Friday. Can somebody say amen? Because the darkest moment of Good Friday gave way to the power and the glory of God on Resurrection Sunday. And our, our God, God the Father, resurrected Jesus Christ and overcame the power of sin and death. Now tell your neighbor on your left and right, tell your neighbor right now, Jesus died and was resurrected. Very important. He died and He was resurrected. Now, by the way, Jesus was not the only, was not the only one who experienced resurrection in the Bible. The Bible records for us a few accounts of those who died and they too were resurrected. Now, since it is Resurrection Weekend, let's examine two resurrection accounts beginning with Jesus' death. Now, follow me right now to John, John chapter 20, John 20 verse 1. In John 20 verse 1, it says this, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Just like this, right? What you see on the stage here, just like that, um, Mary came and he saw that the tomb was rolled away. So when the Bible says that it was the first day of the week, it referred to Sunday because the Jewish calendar ended the week on Saturday. In verse 2, so she ran. She ran and went to Simon Peter and other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, they may say look into the tomb, right? So they stooped and looked in and they saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, they missed the face cloth that was covering Jesus, which had been on Jesus' head, now not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. 
These two disciples, according to the passage, they went to the tomb, they saw the stone being rolled away, and no physical body of Jesus was found inside. Linen cloths were used to wrap up Jesus' body after his death as per the Jewish custom. But, but these linen cloths were found inside the tomb without the body of Christ. Now you must understand that the sight of the linen cloth indicated to us that Jesus' body was not stolen. You see, you must understand that no one would unwrap the linen cloths if they wanted to steal a dead body. Why? Because the dead body would have started to decay. No one who wanted to steal a dead body would go and unwrap it, right? It doesn't make sense. So the linen cloth tells us a story, tells us something had happened. Look at verse 8 right now. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. Say with me, believe. Verse 9, for as, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes. So the two disciples, they left the tomb believing that something supernatural had just happened. Look at verse 11 now. But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Now, unlike the two disciples, we are told that Mary did not rush home but she stayed on to process her grief at the tomb. Look at verse 12 now. And she saw, while she was outside the tomb processing her grief, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why? Why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus, verse 15, said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said in Aramaic, Reboni, which means teacher. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So in this passage, Mary saw Jesus in His resurrected form. You must understand that it was not a ghost of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus could touch, because Mary could touch Jesus physically in verse 17. So we know that it wasn't a ghost. It was something tangible, something corporal that Mary could touch. And Mary was possibly one of the earliest few 
who saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And church, you must understand that the resurrection of Christ was even more important than His birth and His arrival on earth. Because before Jesus died, He taught. He taught God's Word to thousands of people. Now, He would be known as a great teacher of the Word if He did not resurrect from the dead. Now, Jesus also healed many people and performed many miracles when He was alive. Then He would be known as an anointed servant of God if He did not resurrect from the dead. And Jesus also gave prophecies about future events. And if these prophecies came to pass, He would be known as a prophet if He died and remain in the grave. Even if God supernaturally conceived Jesus in Mary's womb as the Messiah, if He was not resurrected from the dead, church, He was as good as a buried Messiah. But in this passage here, Mary's encounter with Jesus on the third day of his death, changed the entire narrative. Jesus was not a dead teacher. He was not a deceased servant of God. He was, he was also not a departed prophet or the perished Messiah. Jesus died, was buried, and he rose on the third day from the grave and is now the Savior of the world. Can somebody say amen? Now tell neighbor on your left and right, tell neighbor right now, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive today. That's right, the tomb is empty. And today, more than 2,000 years later, many, many people who don't understand the supernatural power of God will try their very best to explain away the resurrection of Christ. Now, some people will say that, could it be? Could it be that Mary was so grieved that she was hallucinating about Jesus? Well, it was a possibility. A possibility since, G uh, since Mary was so grieved that she did not sleep much or eat well since Jesus' crucifixion. And the most scientific way to verify the resurrection of Jesus is to examine ancient documents from the same period as, as Mary and Jesus. Now, incidentally, we do have an ancient letter written about 60 years after Christ's death and resurrection. And this letter was circulating among Christians in the first century and was written by Apostle Paul. And it is the same letter found in your Bible. It is the letter of 1 Corinthians that we read today. And it is the earliest letter written by the early church in the first century. And let's examine right now this very important document as a proof text of what really happened that day. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 now. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says this, For I delivered to you 
as of the first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas or to Cyphus and to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So you must understand, Paul wrote this and they were still alive. Though many have fallen asleep. Verse 7, Then He appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, He appeared also to me. Now, church, you must understand that Paul, who also had a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ, he did his research and found out that more than 500 people saw Jesus Christ alive after his death. At the point of Paul's letter, many of these witnesses were still alive and testified to Christ's resurrection. Now, if we were to base on evidence collected by eyewitnesses, then you must understand that even if Mary were hallucinating about Christ, we can't explain away the 500 people who saw Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. Now, another possibility, another possibility to explain away the resurrection of Christ is that Jesus did not die. He didn't die, but fainted on the cross because of the physical torture and the massive loss of blood. We call it hemorrhaging, right? It was so much hemorrhaging that Christ fainted on the cross. Thinking that he had died, the Roman soldiers took him down from the cross and then passed it to the disciples, whom then buried him in the tomb. And after three days, Jesus woke up from his coma and was found by the disciples totally healed from all of his wounds. Now, let me explain that this scenario that I've just described could not have happened as well. And let me tell you why. Because the Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers were professional executors of crucifixion. They, they, were, they were trained. They were trained to see real and fake death. And you must understand that, that how they knew Jesus died well, they pierced the side of Jesus to ensure that he had actually died. Because when they pierced Jesus, both water and blood came out of him, indicating to them that this body here, this person on the cross, he had died and his heart had stopped pumping. And there was when they pierced Jesus, there was both blood and water that came out. And furthermore, it was tough. It was tough to stay alive when Jesus was already severely tortured before being nailed and hung vertically on the cross. And let's say, let's say hypothetically, all right, hypothetically, hypothetically, let's say that Jesus faked his death and was later found by his disciples. Assuming right now that yes, okay, he faked his death and his disciples found him. Now, how do we explain then? How do we explain that the disciples of Christ, 
all of them would, would rather die of martyrdom. Martyrdom means that die for a religious purpose. How do we explain that the disciples of Christ would rather die of persecution and martyrdom and not deny Jesus as the resurrected Savior? How do you explain that? Because if you trace the history of Christianity, you will find that 11 of the 12 disciples were killed. They were killed for proclaiming Jesus' death and resurrection. The 12 disciples, the 12, number 12 disciples who didn't die or, or, be, or wasn't, wasn't murdered, or didn't, wasn't persecuted to death or, or wasn't hung on the cross, this 12 disciple was actually exiled. He was exiled to the island of Patmos and that's John the Revelator who wrote Revelation. And let me give you the two examples of how the disciples of Christ died. I'll give you two examples today because of time. The first example is that of Andrew. Now, Andrew was sentenced to crucifixion because he angered a Roman governor in Achaia, today's southern Greece. He was sentenced to crucifixion for preaching the gospel, for preaching the fact that Jesus died and resurrected. Now, why would Andrew lie about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and yet be willing to be tortured and die for someone who did not resurrect from the dead? He was even given a chance to renounce Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Andrew said, no, I cannot do that. And he chose the path of crucifixion and die for Jesus Christ. So why was he willing to be tortured and die for someone who did not resurrect from the dead? Unless, of course, my friend, unless, of course, Jesus' death and resurrection did happen. And Andrew was willing to die for him because he saw Christ's resurrection with his own eyes. The second example is Simon Peter. Many of us know Simon very well, a very well-known figure in the early church. Simon Peter was also sentenced to crucifixion because he refused to renounce Jesus Christ as his only Lord and King. Before Peter, Simon Peter's crucifixion, he, he witnessed his own wife being crucified. Because of him, his wife was put into the, the crucifixion equation as well. He saw his own wife being crucified. And just before his wife was crucified, he told his wife this, Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Peter's turn came for his crucifixion, he requested to be crucified upside down. Can you imagine? Look at the cross, right? He asked himself to be crucified, but then inverted instead. Because he chose that way because he felt that he was not worthy to die in the same way that Jesus Christ died. Now, if Jesus faked his death and the disciples were trying to play up his fake resurrection, 
Do you think Peter would die such a horrible death for someone who did not resurrect from the dead? I don't think so. Peter died for someone whom he knew would resurrect him from the dead as well. Can somebody say amen? All this evidence, when put together, tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was found alive after the third day. The resurrection story of Jesus Christ enabled the, the early disciples to live fearlessly for Christ, even to the point of death. Therefore, the resurrection of Christ is undoubted with many eyewitnesses who saw Him alive. But Christ was not the only one who experienced death and resurrection. Another person by the name of Lazarus also experienced this supernatural event performed by Jesus. And this happened before Jesus Christ's crucifixion and death. Now, let's unpack this event right now. In John 11, let's look at Lazarus' death and resurrection. John 11 verse 17 says this, Now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? How many days? How many days? Four days, right? We saw this in the enactment, if you were in the presentation, right? Four days. And it's in verse 18, it says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, when Jesus said that Lazarus would rise again, you must understand that that Martha immediately linked it to her own Jewish religious belief. You see, among them, there was this teaching among the religious belief that, that the belief was that everyone who believed in God would experience the resurrection of life at the end of time. But Jesus was not referring to the Jewish religious teaching on the future resurrection at the end of time. He was referring to the immediate physical resurrection from the dead, which He would perform and we will look at in a moment. And from the resurrection of the physical body, Christ went on to address something even more important. He went on to address that of the eternal life after death found in verse 25. Now you must understand, before 20, verse 25, 24, right? Before, before verse 25, Jesus was talking about the resurrection from the dead. That means he, he, was, he was about to do something miraculous. Now from 25, verse 25 onwards, Jesus was saying something else. Now let's see what Jesus said now. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, 
Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So from verses 25 to 26, Jesus Christ assured Martha that he had the power to enable one to live on forever after one's death. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and life, meaning that He not only can give us fullness of life with Him now on earth, but also the life with Him when we transit through death gate with Him. So from here, we can see that there is another realm. Another realm that we go to after we pass on from this current world to the next. And Jesus Christ can enable us to live on with Him in this realm after our death. And the only way to pass on from this world and have eternal life with Jesus Christ in the next realm is to believe in Jesus. And that was why Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Believe in what? Well, believe in Christ's power to give eternal life, the life after death. And Martha replied, of course, Martha replied, said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. So Martha's confession showed her believing loyalty to Jesus, not to any others, but only to Jesus as the Savior of her life. Now, the question is this, I want to ask all of you right now. Why did Jesus move the conversation from the physical death of Lazarus to the eternal life that he promised in the future? Why did, why did, why did Jesus do that? Well, I believe the reason lies in the fact that everyone will experience death. Ask your neighbor right now, do you think you would die? Ask the neighbor on your left and right, do you think you would die? If he said no, right, ask him, are you a Wolverine? That live forever? I believe the reason lies in the fact that everyone will experience death. You see, church, the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead is an exception rather than the norm. I say it one more time. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead is an exception rather than the norm. The norm is that everyone will die and pass on from this world to the next realm. And the conversation between Jesus and Martha tells us that we can have this same hope that was offered to Martha. The hope of living with Jesus Christ forever when we pass on from this world to the next. Now, let me speak to all believers of Christ right now. Our Lord Jesus did not just promise us life after death. He overcame death as a human 
and He has absolute power now to give us eternal life. And if you are a believer today, I want to, I want to, tell, I want to share this with you. We should not fear death because of Christ's resurrection and His promise for us to live eternally with Him. We do not need to fight death because Christ has conquered it. My friend, death is a transition from our current life to a glorious eternal life with Jesus Christ. And every child of God has this special privilege where death transits us into the presence of Christ. On Tuesday, this last Tuesday, there was a Straits Times article on death entitled this. It says that as a doctor, I know being ready to die is an illusion. As a doctor, I know that being ready to die is an illusion. Now, Dr. Sunita wrote that many dying patients that she saw, they were not ready for their impending death. Some of her patients would even be in denial of their condition, pretending that they would not die. And I reflected on this article and asked myself, what's the right response to death as a believer of Jesus Christ? And I, and I pray that believers, all of us who claim to be believers of Christ, that we will not be afraid of death and be more ready when death comes. Yes, we may be shocked that death comes earlier, but it should not bring us fear, anxiety, or denial. Now, some of us say, oh, pastor, choi, 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 choi. I'm so young, I don't think I'll die so fast. Don't say too early, my friend. Don't say too early. Why? I tell you why. Because I have buried, I have buried someone as young as 16 years old before a young secondary four boy. He had got cancer of leukemia at the age of sec, about 14, sec 2, and two years later, he died. But what's amazing was that when, I, when the family was preparing for his impending death, this young man, handsome young man, he told all of us, don't worry about me, okay? Don't worry about me. And then he gave instruction to all of us, right, what he wanted to see at his funeral. Can you imagine if a 15-year-old before he reached his 16th year, 16th birthday, he told us, you know, I want my funeral to be like this. He told us the color of his casket. He told us what kind of pictures he wanted all over the funeral. He told us, right, that, that this thing must happen. You must put, pack all this into the funeral together with me because it's very precious to me. So she gave us, he gave us a series, of, his, a series of instruction, right? And when I saw that, when I heard that, I was like, oh my goodness, this 15-year-old was so brave. And she told us this, don't worry about me, I'll be with Christ. You worry about yourself. And I was like, man, this young man, this young man really understood the hope of Christ in his life. And when, I, when we did his funeral, I want you to know it was one of the happiest times. Everybody came rejoicing his life. The family was not sad at all because the boy told the family, don't cry for me. If you believe in Jesus Christ, nobody 
she cry, and, and the family dare not cry, right? Because it was the boy's last wish. It was like a party. Their funeral was like a party, a colorful party. Nobody wore white and black. All came in our best, most colorful best, to rejoice that he went back home with Jesus Christ. The reason for his readiness is because of Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday reminds us that death is only a transition from this world to the next realm with Jesus Christ. My friend, may this hope inspire us to live fearlessly of death. Can somebody say amen? Tell neighbor right now, from earth to Christ. Now for those of us who, yet, who have yet to believe in Jesus Christ, you too can also have this hope of eternal life after death. All you need to do is to follow what Martha did. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. My friend, it is not rocket science where you must understand complicated formulas and do complex sums before obtaining eternal life. I want you to know that it's less complex than our primary school living exam, our PSLE. It's simply confessing and believing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Tell neighbor on your left and right, it's not as complex as PSLE. With the understanding of Christ's teaching on eternal life in verses 25 to 27, let me finish the story of Lazarus right now in verse 38. It says this, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And we had said, when he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had dead came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen stripes and his face wrapped with the cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Our Lord Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He did it to demonstrate that He was the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who had the power to raise someone from the dead, even before His res own resurrection. My friend, as I look at the story of Lazarus, I'm amazed at the power of Christ to raise someone from the dead. But do you know that eventually, Lazarus still died? He still died. Lazarus did not live forever after Jesus raised him from his first death experience. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead was essential to show the power of Jesus Christ when he was on earth. But Lazarus died eventually from old age or sickness like any human being. But more importantly, did Christ have the power to give Lazarus eternal life after he died a second time, the answer is yes. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and life. He was Jesus Christ on earth, and now he is the resurrected Savior and King. When on earth, Christ had the power to raise someone from the dead, but they will still die eventually. But after Christ's own resurrection, 
He, had the, he has the power to raise all believers from the dead and give eternal life to be with Him forever. Christ dealt with the issue of death once and for all through His resurrection. My friend, what about you today? Are you afraid of death? Are you worried about life after death? Are you concerned about the uncertainty of events after you pass on from this current world? Because every Resurrection Sunday reminds us that we do not need to fear death. Christ died and rose again on the third day. His resurrection tells us that we can be raised with Him eternally when we pass on from this life to the next. And this promise is for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed right now, no one looking around, please, no one moving. I believe that God is speaking to different people today concerning life and death. Because death is a reality where all of us will pass on from this world to the next. But you do not need to live in fear or anxiety over death because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today as a believer of Christ and you need God's assurance to fill your heart and to help you not to be worried, not, not to be in anxious over death. If you are a believer, you say, God, help me not to be worried about death. Help me not to be concerned about death. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now all over this place. Allow God's, God's presence to comfort you. God's power and presence to assure you right now. If that's you, lift your hands all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so lift your hands to me and say, God, help me not to be afraid of death. Not, not to be afraid and con not to be anxious about death because you have conquered death. If that's you, lift your hands to Him right now. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand on my left. Thank you. Thank you. Now, another group of us here, now you may have drifted away from our Lord Jesus and today you feel far away from our Lord Jesus. And you are unsure about about this eternal life with Him that I have mentioned. You are unsure that you will be with Christ after this life on earth. You're not very certain of that. And on this special weekend, Resurrection Weekend, you want to rededicate yourself to our Lord Jesus and have Him in your life again. Have the assurance of eternal hope with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands all over this place and say, God, help me. Thank you. Grant me the assurance again. Thank you, sir. Grant me the assurance again that I will not be afraid. I want to be close to you, God. If that's you, lift your hands all over this place. If you have drifted away from Jesus Christ, today is a day for you to come back to touch God again and have the assurance in your heart again. If that's you, lift your hands. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. Anybody else? Quickly, lift your hands if that's you. If you're tugging in your heart, I want you to lift your hands right now. Thank you, sister. Thank you. The last group of you, I want to pray for those of us who have yet to receive Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. Today, you can be a child of God by simply believing in Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier that it is not as complex as PSLE. It's very simple. And all you need to do is to welcome Jesus Christ into your heart with a prayer. 
And if that's what you want today, to believe in Jesus Christ and to be part of this family, of His family in this world now and to be with Christ in the next realm, if that's what you want, you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You have never done this before, but today you want to have hope in your heart. You want Jesus Christ to come into your life. You say, Pastor, pray for me to receive Jesus into my life on Resurrection Weekend. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands right now. If that's you. That's why lift your hand. If that's you, thank you. I'll wait one more, just one more, another 10 more seconds. I'll give you a chance to respond if that's you. You receive Jesus Christ into your life. You have never done so, but today you want to do it. Lift your hands right now if that's you. Hallelujah. Just wave at me if you want to make that decision right now. Church, would you stand with me all over this place right now? All over this, would you please stand? On resurrection weekend, I want to open the altars right now. And if you have lifted your hands for whatever reason, if you want God to come into your life in a very personal way, you want the assurance of Christ to come into you. I want you to come to the altar right now because I'm going to pray with you. It's a very important time for you to encounter God's presence personally, to have the assurance in your heart that if you were to pass on from this world, you'll be with Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith, the resurrection and life. If that's you, if you have raised your hand earlier, I want you to come to the altar quickly as the team leads us right now. Hallelujah. Come, come quickly, don't wait. Come quickly right now. I'm going to pray with you before you go. And I want to ask of God's presence to assure you. Come quickly right now. That's right, come. For those of you who raise your hand, you come as well. Just come and find a place with the Lord. Find the assurance before you leave this service today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come, come. Your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Sing hallelujah. Set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living
Cry. 